I just love the idea that Dave Dave can't pick a guy who talks too much trash. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. I like our guys that talk trash. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> it's it's when it's, it's when the other team different. starts doing it. That's when Ferber and I get like, the text. No one talks. That's the problem. Just... The basketball team is like humility. <laughs> like like after they dunk on somebody. Servanthood. That's what that's what Ryan Dunn was telling that kid from uh yeah. from thankfulness. Uh, whatever. It was like, yeah. Th- be thankful that I just dunked in your dome. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday. Wow, plot twist. December the 22nd, uh, Virginia put together its 2023 recruiting class on the football side. On the basketball side, the Cavaliers have now lost two in a row going into the holiday break Plenty of stuff to discuss. Uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Uh, we will start by introducing everybody, as we always do, in Fishersville. Board moderator du jour, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's uh, David Spence now, just wow. so you know. Who Dave's on the board at? Who Dave's on Twitter? <laughs> I was, was literally going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, you guys are you guys are ridiculous. All right, in Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. I was going to say fair bear. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just never came. To Benefits pass. of going first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. David's that actually kind of works. Um, yeah, you're like a you're like a Argentinian soccer prospect. Um, David Spence at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter or Fair Bear if that's how you choose to pronounce it. It's still spelled the same way though. No, whatever you guys want, you know, whatever you want. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, yeah, I'm not calling you David, whatever you just said for a minute ago. Like, don't yeah. uh, that. I'm not even breaking that out for joke purposes because I don't want that to catch on. All right. Um. Yeah, that was that was just one of the most we, like. I get it. Like, I mean, I just want to be. I want to be very clear about this. Any, you're allowed to do whatever you want with your name. I'm I, no problem with that. It was the way everybody was like, "Wait, did we mess this up?" And I was like, "Oh, we definitely did not mess this up. Like, this was 100." Well, they the were also like, they were making people were out there like, "Nope, this is how he says his name." And it's like, well, even like the JPJ guy saying it wrong then, and like yeah, this was this was a parenthesis. wrong. So it, this yeah. isn't like a this isn't like a we all were like not paying attention situation. Yeah, this was a parenthesis parenthesis thing, but worse, you know, because it was the only was, reason I knew about it was. Um, um, Armand's mom had shared retweeted the uh, day in the life thing and said, Oh my God, I didn't know I was pronouncing it wrong. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so yeah. That was like a week or two ago. Um, Caffaro from, from now until the end of time. Okay. Um, speaking of wait that we're doing football first. I can't, I have no segue. Uh, um, Cavaliers. Play that game. That's very true. Cavaliers. He plays a, he likes his Argentinian folks like a different brand of football. Yeah, speaking of games, he doesn't play. Speaking of games, he doesn't play. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Cavaliers put together their 23 class. I mean, listen, I'm short of like adding a bunch of five stars in the last seven days. I feel like they closed pretty well. 
Um, it's 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 obviously not going to be given everything that is that that happened in year one for Tony Elliott. They weren't going to come in here and have like a top fifteen class or anything. Um, but between the dudes that they got uh, out of the high school recruiting, and I, I'll go on a rant about this. I'm sure at some point. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of counting transfers as your um, signing class. I think that's just no, no, you can't do that. That's not how this works. Um, they literally don't even sign anything. They don't exactly. They sign grant and A paperwork. They don't sign. You know, it's not. It's not the same thing. It's just not. It's just. It's just not the same thing. I will. Uh, I will die on this hill. Um, but anyway, so 19 commits in the class. Um, the jewel of the class, Cameron Robinson, um, the in-state linebacker from Tappahannock. Obviously, <laughs> put put folks through the the ringer a little bit the last couple of weeks with visits to Florida State and to South Carolina. The three of us talked about this one at length offline, and to say that getting Cam Robinson makes my co-hosts very happy is an understatement because they were going to be. I mean, I don't want to say that y'all would have been like apoplectic if if he had signed somebody else, but it would not have been good. Um, so getting Robinson obviously a huge deal. Um, there are a handful of dudes in this class we're going to talk about, um, but overall, Dave, aside from the fact that you really needed Cam Robinson to be in this class, how do you feel about this class? I mean, it's not a you know great class, but um, I think it's a solid class. It, you know, if you'd have told me a year ago this would have been the class, I don't know if I'd have been happy, but you know, certainly, I think the staff put in work in the state to try to kind of turn the tide there. That's just going to take more time. Um, that's just the the blunt reality of it. You know, if you want 10 to 15 guys in your class from the, from the Commonwealth, um, I mean, I think you have to realize it's more than just, you know, player a liking the coaches. It's does his coach like the coaches does, you know, do his friends like the coaches. It, it takes a while to kind of turn that tide. Um, you know, getting miles green out of Highland Springs, you know, I think the Hokies got four guys out of there, if I remember correctly. So, getting him to stay, you know, getting him and keeping him in, in the fold is, you know, a little, a little notch towards getting better relationships there. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I like some of the pieces. There's some guys that didn't have a lot of offers, but you know, if you watch their film, you see why they got the offers. So yeah, 2024, I think it's gotta be better um, as far as top end talent, but solid um i don't don't know what grade i would give it like you know i've said before i don't think you can grade the recruiting class without looking at the transfer class um and then obviously with the special situation at uva being able to get a couple guys back that wouldn't have been back otherwise um that helps too you know roster management but you know certainly a couple of holes they still need to fill but a solid start forever what about you yeah i mean i think the, the whole prism that we look at these recruiting classes, prism that we look at these recruiting classes through is so just because, you know, for a program like UVA, I know Tony Elliott called it like, you know, building through the draft. And, and that's definitely, you know, something that a program can, you know, that's sustainable would want to do. But at the same time, I think UVA is going to be a school that's very impacted by the transfer portal one way or the other, um, just where they are in the sport. Um, you're going to have playing time to sell. You're going to have, um, the opportunity to get guys to go up a level. Um, you're probably going to lose guys to bigger schools sometimes, and you're also going to lose guys to playing time elsewhere. So, um, you know, I think the the too deep of their roster will be just as impacted by the portal as it is by the high school classes that they bring in. Having said that, I, I think that 
it's encouraging that they finished well, especially given everything that happened. I think uh, Coach Elliott kind of hit on that a lot yesterday. Like um, that was just one other factor that they had to kind of like work around or or address with recruits. Um, and and it seems like it worked, whatever they did, because um, you know they closed strong. They they got some guys that were a little higher rated, a little bit more known, you know, commodities out there on the trail, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, add supplemented to a class, they kept their best player in the class. Um, they lost three players throughout the side, throughout the class, you know, to other schools. Um, only one, you know, after the bad season, basically. So you can't really say that that hurt their ability to go get the guys they, you know, they got, um, the guys they, you know, they got, um, cause they only lost, um, so, I mean, ultimately, like, I think Dave hit on a lot of it. I mean, I think I said this in the summer, you know, the class wasn't really rated very highly then. And part of that was because they only had like six guys at that time. Um, but I didn't when you watch their their tape and stuff, I didn't see I wasn't looking at a lot of guys where I was like, this guy's like a total project. This guy is like not an FPS caliber player. Um now I will say as things went on, I did feel like they kind of reached a little bit more and, and took guys for traits or productivity and maybe like their position wasn't, you know, they don't have like a straightforward position fit. Um, and those guys can work out too. It's just one of those things where it's, you know, you kind of know that it's like, all right, you know, some of these guys just won't make it, but that's true of any recruiting class UVA is going to bring in. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few guys in this class that I really like and a bunch of guys that I think are going to be solid, a bunch of guys that I think are going to be solid. Um, the coaching staff, and I wrote this today focus, or I don't think this was their focus in recruiting, but like, it seems almost like it was something that they look for was, you know, winning. Like they went out and got guys from big programs that win a lot. They got guys that carried their teams to wins, guys that were captains, um, you know, guys that won state championships. And I think that that was, something that I think they're trying to kind of build a culture of guys that are kind of alphas like that. And um, not all those guys are always going to be like the highly rated guys, but right. ultimately they're productive football players. And I mean, time will tell. I mean, I know that's a hedge, but you know, we'll see how this class looks, you know, in a year or two. And then also, you know, the day talked about the momentum of the trail, ask me in a year. Cause if they put another class together like this, then I'll be like, all right, things just aren't really like clicking the way that we hoped they would. And if they put a good class together, a better class, then it's easy to say like, all right, they didn't really have that relationship, you know, thing set in stone with a lot of these guys in the 24 or the 2023 class in 2024, they kind of, you know, use that extra time to, to get some guys. Right. So in terms of the league, um, Virginia 12th overall, and it's, uh, at least as of we, as we record this, I mean, you know, some random kid can, um, commit somewhere and, and cause a bunch of, um, or sign somewhere and cause a bunch of dominoes to fall in terms of rankings. But as of, as of this recording, Virginia 12th in the league at uh, 56 nationally, um, to give you some context in case you haven't looked this up, Miami had the best class in the league. Fifth Clemson was next at nine. Carolina was next at 25, Florida state at 27, um, Louisville rounded out the top five at 32nd. Um, so then you get Tech, NC State, Wake, Duke, and Pitt um, to make up the next five. So Virginia, ha- its class is only better in the league than BC and Syracuse. My God, Syracuse was 84th. Like, what in the world? That's – but How many players did they take? Yeah, it's all about the numbers. Uh, yeah, well, that's – I, I, should, I should add that this yeah, is Yeah, because if it's a, like nine or something like that, that's 16. Half. 
Okay. I mean, that's still just as, almost as many as UVA got. That's true. Like, we're we're kind of getting into the weeds there. Yeah. Um, what's wild is that Navy is listed at 65. You know, the one that kind of got... And Army's at 65. At one point, oh. Campbell was like, in our ratings, was at like 70 or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I think that it. was like a that was like a glitch, kind of. Yeah. I think that was because they had like one guy that was like in the system, and he was like a three-star or something. Let me see. Uh, let's see who the highest rated class is for a non-Power 5 team. I guess technically Houston doesn't count. UTSA yeah, is was... at 53. Okay. Cincinnati uh, or somebody like that, maybe. I mean, they're gonna be in the Big Twelve, though. Yeah, I, I kind of don't count them anymore. UCF. Although this this conversation, I was gonna say UCF is in there. Tulane at sixty fourth. God, Tulane was twenty spots ahead of Syracuse. That's wild. Anyway, um, I also I should have I should have noted for this uh, por- portion of the discussion that these rankings are not perfect. I'm not saying that what Rivals uses is the end all be all. It's the one we use, but it you know you do it different ways. Uh, averaging things device. out, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a way to sort of um, put everything together. Because um, if UVA had the fourth best class, we'd be talking about that a lot. Oh, we would absolutely, yeah, dude. If they had a top twenty class, we'd be talking about that a lot. Um, yeah, and we said it before, though. You know, they don't take into account; they don't know what your roster is. So that's true. Not ten four star DBs, you know. Yeah, and this oh, is and this is also there. a good time to mention this. Like, I understand, like for a lot of folks, and we've talked at length about this in recent, um, you know, classes and whatnot. But for a lot of folks, the recruiting piece of this is like a game within a game, right? Like, on a, on, a, on a very basic level, right? Sports is exciting because you get to, like, win, right? And you get to, like, have bragging rights and stuff. And for a lot of people, especially when it comes to, like, your rivals and all this fun stuff, that's that's important, right? So, absolutely, UVA fans would love to have a class better than Virginia Tech, better than North Carolina, right? Um, and it's a game within a game, right? A lot of folks don't care what Dave just said about the whole, like, oh, you know, how are you managing your roster? They don't care. If they had, if Virginia signed six DBs and they were all four-star kids, nobody would care. They'd be like, wow, this is the greatest DB class in the history of humanity. Also, we have a top 20 class, right? Because if you got six or eight four-stars, that's where you're going, right? Um, but there's a game within the game, and I understand for a lot of people that's part of the fun of this is to look at the class. And the reality, though, is that like a lot of it has to do with what your roster needs and what it doesn't. And you you know one of the one of the failings of the the latter Mike London years is that they they didn't necessarily care what the roster did or didn't need. They just took dudes that they could take. Um, let's let's get into the. I mean, obviously Cam Robinson is as we said the jewel of the of the group and certainly the guy that stands out the most. We typically do. I don't know how many years we've been doing the. Um, the guy thing where we pick a dude uh, who was like our guy, who was like our favorite recruit for the purposes of this, this year, we're not going to think it started with Lavelle. Oh, I think that was the year. Yeah. You're probably right. Um, Well, damn Dave. Bring it down. Unofficially (laughs) Brad had been getting uh, assigned guys by Doug Dowdy for years. This is true. (laughs) I I, I missed two free throws. Paul Jesperson was my guy. And I was like, what? So we we tried to we tried to turn that negative into a positive uh, and and actually do something fun with it. Um, so yes, for the purposes of this conversation, um, Cam Robinson is not eligible. Is anybody else in the group not eligible? I mean, I would I would think he's. I'm going to stick away from transfers because I think. Oh yeah, no 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 yeah we're not like I said before we're not talking about transfers and signees and if and listen if you are somebody who thinks we should you are wrong and I don't care. <laughs> 
because I mean, it is worth noting that they landed Kobe Pace since we last spoke. So we're gonna, nice yeah, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about transfers yeah. after There's we talk about discussion. the actual, yeah. yes, yeah. Th- yeah, exactly. And this whole like, you know, them having edits and announcing them is uh, no, anyway. All right, uh, who should go first, Dave? Why don't you go first and tell me who your guy is? Because we, because we, we kind of in it, in we in like unofficially informally did this this afternoon accidentally. Um, uh, no, nah, it's a <laughs> that's, oh, that's right. No, it was that's right. It was Ferber who started. All right, well, Ferber, yeah. you you yeah, go, let first. Ferber go first because you inadvertently you you started this because you oh, were like, was, are we going to do a guy segment? It was verdant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was verdant. <laughs> nah, um, you know, I had I like a lot of the guys, and and you know, you could talk me into you know a half dozen for sure to be my guy, but my guy after just going back and looking at everything that he did in high school is Jaden Gibson. A uh, receiver from, and I don't want to mispronounce this, but Rayburn County, Georgia. Um, and, you know, he just a super productive player, set a bunch of Georgia high school records. Um, if you watch him, it's not just, and see, when they got him, I was like, all right, he's productive, but like, does that translate to college? Because a lot of guys can catch a lot of balls. And then it's like, all right, can they separate? Can they do the things, toolsy things that you need to do to get open? Can they make plays after the catch? And when I watched his stuff, I mean, um, honestly, the the National Signing Day show that UVA did kind of had me go back and look at the huddle stuff for a bunch of the guys. And Gibson just really flashed to me. He does a lot of things well. He's kind of a he's a pretty technical route runner with his feet, good hands, um, pretty good size, can move. You know, he he can run away from guys. I don't know if he'll be doing that throughout his college career just because you guys are faster, but. You know, he can move well. He fights through tackles. Um, I just think he's a very polished player that he was productive for a reason. And um, I think he's a guy that, you know, could come in and I'm not saying he's going to come in and be like an All-American as a freshman, but I think he can contribute. And I definitely think that's he's not a guy that's going to require them to like, you know, really coach him on how to play receiver. I think he already knows how to do that. And I think that's a huge step forward because a lot of times schools are bringing guys that are just the most athletic guy on the field and they just don't know how to move or run routes or, you know, do what they're supposed to be doing out there. Um, and this is the opposite of that. So I'm really excited about him. That's a great addition. So just if you'll bear with me, dear listener. So Ferber in, in like almost literally the same breath from asking if we were going to do the, this sec, do the, you know, your guy segment. Well, Dave, this year. Dave called me out and said, I already know who your guy is. So, he That's so in, in like one breath, I swear he sent that text and then he sent the next one, which is like because I know who mine is. And then he was like, "It's it's Jake." I, I just I I appreciate the hustle. I really do. I think that's uh, stellar work on your part. No, I think listen, that kid one he's Tiger Georgia is amazing, right? Um, but that you you watch that dude's film and you're like, okay, yeah, it 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 it, it fits. Um, you you get it, you get it pretty quickly. Um, I, I also think because of their need at that position, he's a dude that absolutely could play early. Um, a touch undersized, maybe. Um, you know, he need to. You know, he's gonna have to have yeah. a nice off season. Um, to really, Hagen's kind of referred to him as a tweener in a good way, which is like yeah. he's a guy that can play inside or outside. Yeah, yeah, and I and I like that about him. Um, Dave, why don't you go ahead and go with uh with your with your guy next? Um. So yeah, I mean, Ferber. Gibson would have been my guy because I I thought Ferber was going a different way. Um, but the yeah, I'm kind of looking at who's going to get to the have a chance to get on the field if he's going to be my guy this year. Um, I really like some of the defensive linemen. I really like Harrison. Um, but I'm going to go with Keandre Walker 
Ferber's number two. Nice. nice he's going to bump up to number one for me. Um, you know, he's got, you know, he's six, two, he's got good length. He's out of, I think East Lincoln high school in Denver, North Carolina. Um, a kid who had, didn't have a ton of offers, but he had Ivy league offers, had army Navy. And I think some other schools tried to get in at the end there. Um, his film just, um, his film just good hips for a guy that big and obviously can play cornerback where Virginia's got a lot of need right now. Um, you know, given his talent with, um, clearly he's got smarts too. So he's going to pick up things quick and, you know, given what we saw out of the development from the DBs under, you know, Cox and, um, and Rosinski, I've got, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him starting week one, um, depending on what. Wow. Wow. That's a bold choice right there. That's yeah. like, that's like me really going out well, there. They, for start, the they start a lot of DBs. So gotta, gotta I'm, I'm really there. high on him. I mean, I, I talked about that earlier and I was, I really liked him when they got him because I, that was, that was, he was the guy where I was like, okay, this guy only has offers from like Elon. I think he had a JMU offer um, or something like that. And I was like, okay, like this guy, you don't have to explain to me why UVA offered him. He's just good. And his senior tape was even better. He just has like the tools. Um, yeah, I don't know how polished he is. Like, you know, I'm not why I'm just watching highlights, but like he can move. He's big. He's the right side. He can move. He's big. He's the right side. He can tackle. I just really liked him. Yeah. I feel like on some level, you know, if they, they had to, they had to go, um, I mean, look, some classes are are have a theme, right? Sometimes your theme is like in the trenches, sometimes your theme is like in-state guys. I think for this class it's the it's sort of the skill guys. Um I mean, it, you can you can put on some of these guys tape and it doesn't matter what their offer list look like. You're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that that's that's the way it's supposed to look." There are a handful of dudes and we're not going to get into like guys that were questioned or anything like that. Well, that's just that's just not the that's not a lot of fun. Um, nor I think is it fair, but I think there are a couple of guys in this class that are, you know, flyers a little bit, right? Like you're taking, you're, you're taking a chance on potential, right? Or maybe a measurable, right? Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I think some of that we, we, we still have to be determined. The one guy I will say that I, and I, and I told them this earlier today, the Kirby kid, I I have no problem with him. You know, I I think he's a, a solid prospect and stuff. I just worry, can you be Terry Kirby's kid? at UVA if you're not like going to set the world on fire you know what I mean like I just kind of worry about him like that's and that's not like he he absolutely can come out there you know hit that weight room hard become you know the kind of tight end that they really could use um and, and that's great I'm just saying like I just anybody who with that sort of lineage who is not like a you know surefire high three-star low four-star guy you know, you go to that specific school and people are just going to have expectations for you that you, you know, for all intents and purposes that you never really asked for. Now, you know, kids competitors. So, I mean, it's very likely he's like, yeah, give it to me. I'll, you know, I'll take that on. But, you know, that's just a that's just a, you know, part of my brain that that worries. Um, when it came to picking my guy, it was between two dudes. Uh, it was between Harrison and, and Britton. In part because um, I couldn't pick Cam Robinson, and um, the the other two fellows had already taken uh, two of the other top dudes that were on my on my board. The reason I like hair, I like kind of those Alameda type receivers, right? The smaller, quicker athletes that you can put anywhere that you you know that like if they were a little taller would make incredible DBs. You know those kinds of dudes that are sort of like on that fence. Um, the Britain kid is interesting because like. 
it, when he committed, um, what was that back in like August? I remember texting around and like everybody I talked to was like, oh, he's a hell of a player. And I was just like, what? Because like at that point, I didn't know a whole lot about him. And certain he didn't know, have a rivals page. Exactly. Starters, and he didn't have, you know, he didn't have a lot starters. of uh, interest. He had in no stuff. Twitter. Yeah. Know, anything. And and but man, you, you talk to people and they were like, no, no, that dude can ball. I go, OK, cool. All right. Um, and this is one of those where it's like people who have seen him live just really rave about the kid. Um, good size. Um, you know, I think is is destined for, um, you know, the defensive side of the ball, even though we've got him at, at, on offensive line in the system. Um, so I probably will go with him as my guy. Although I, you know, D- Dave's point about sort of the way he was looking at this whole thing, he was looking at this more of like guys who are going to play right away. Um, I don't know, especially given um, you know what UVA has coming back now on the defensive front. I don't know if that's going to be a thing for this kid, but certainly um, something to look forward to in the future. It um, could be like he's one of the weirdest. I was trying to think, like you know, he ended up. I don't know what bowl that was, but he ended up in like a major bowl with a bunch of high end. You know, in a high school thing, you know, yesterday and clearly a recruit with talent. But like you guys are saying, just out of the blue that none of the services had and really didn't have a big recruitment like Virginia offered him. He committed. That was done. Um, I can't think of one like that. So if he comes in as and is what is billed like that'll be one of the biggest steals. I can remember in all my uh, yeah, years. I, I think he would be the biggest steal that I can ever remember a power five program like that. I'm like UVA specifically that I can. Yeah. I mean, there's like literally nobody, like there was nothing out there on him. Yeah. I mean, Virginia's had guys like that, especially on the defense, defensive line back during the grow years, like Nate Collins basically had no offers, but turned into a really good player. Um, I'm trying to remember the other guys. The thing that gets Um, me is that he plays at Lake Taylor. It's not that like, that's why I was skeptical at first. Cause I was like, you're telling me that like, I don't know. ODU didn't know about him. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, then you watch his tape against schools that you know are pretty good because, like, Taylor's a, you know, big school in a talent rich area and he's dominating. So, yeah, it's crazy. We'll find out. This is what I said in the thing I wrote before signing day. I was like, there's two possibilities with this class, really. And we'll see over the course of time. One, they didn't really get a lot of the top guys that they were trying to get. And they kind of like went down the board and found these guys, right? A lot of these guys, I'm specifically that I'm talking about, that just didn't have a lot of offers. Um, some didn't have any FBS offers, not mo- like let alone Power Five, including our guys. <laughs> you know, like none of them had a Power Five offer, right? Um, so it's either that or it, this is a positive spin. Maybe UVA has like a really good scouting team. Like they have new guys there now, kind of doing different things. Maybe they are like better at this than than we realize. And like three years from now, we'll be like, oh, they were in early. Even like a perfect example, like this is kind of what makes me maybe a little bit more optimistic that that could be the case is like Sedarian Harrison. Sedarian Harrison had no offers. UVA offered him, and I was like, okay, they're taking another flyer. Then yeah, Tech the offered. offered. Then Oklahoma yeah. offered. Then Louisville offered. And it's like, okay, and Vanderbilt. And it's like, all right, maybe there is something to this. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Now, I was going to say the one thing, that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, you know, during that signing day show yesterday, which was incredible, um, probably the best thing they've done as a staff on the, the media side since they've been here. Um, 
you know, Tony at the end was kind of talking about the class and, and stuff and maybe he said it in this press conference too, but he kind of admitted they got a, he likes their scouting department, likes how thorough they are. Um, but they need to get in a little faster. Cause I think right now, you know, you have to remember a lot of these guys are coming from Clemson. Um, you know, so they can take their time, know if the guys fits what they want as far as like, you know, culture and personality and all that stuff. And then come in whenever, you know, at Clemson and make their offer and they're going to be near the top. Right. Um, and at UVA, you can't do that. So he kind of mentioned they've got to get in earlier, get these, get the offers out earlier. Um, and I get it. You don't want to bring in guys you don't know. Um, and most of the staff wasn't recruiting Virginia on a regular basis. So they don't have that like pipeline to say, Hey, Oh, I remember him from two years ago. Like he's a good kid. Cause so-and-so recruited was talking about him. Um, so hopefully they can speed that up for next year. So your offers get out a little sooner because with the big boys lurking, they can come in and do that late thing. Virginia can't, um, at least at this point, but yeah, overall, like the more you watch the video, they, there's clearly talent on, on it. And look, the projects that are there, even I'm not going to name them out either, but um, they have at least a trade or two that are D one. Um, and if you believe in your coaches and I think, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but when I look at like basketball recruiting, I imagine how they fit into Tony's system, right? Defensively, after one year, I feel like I know what kind of guys they can recruit to fit this system. Um, like if you've got that talent, I know when you'll be on the field, you know, that one trait. Right. Yeah. Um, offensively, I don't quite know yet. I also trust the defensive staff's ability to develop. Because, like, yeah, yeah. they haven't had much time here, but, I mean, like, Fentrell Cypress is, like, you know, a great example of a guy that was, like, we, he had some untapped potential, but, like, let's not kid ourselves. We didn't think he was going to be what he was. And that, you know, they had one year in the system, and, you know, he became what he did, did. And we saw some veteran guys go from, like, all right to better. So I think that, you know, taking a group of high schoolers, they could potentially – do some stuff with it with guys that have the tools, but maybe are missing something that kept them from getting an offer like from Penn state or wake forest or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, when, when you, you and I sort of um, collided there before you were, um, before you were going to say what you were going to say, I was actually thinking along the same line. So you actually gave me a perfect segue, which is like, what's interesting is it's like Tony's whole idea of like, we need to get on them sooner. Like because of the way the cycles work, right they would have been on a lot of those dudes, right, earlier if they had been there, right? And this is, a lot of times with with the first full cycle for, for a coaching staff, you get one of two things. Either they were, they came in with so many bona fides, whether it's past success at the college level, whether it's pro success, you know, whatever that thing might be. Local, you know, connection, maybe somebody who had been there to, at that school, they come in and it's like a huge group, right? It's like the transformational, right? Because they were able to really sort of flip the script on what that school was doing before that coach and his staff came in. Or you get something like this, which is basically guys who, even though, even though they had a full year, it's not the two to three years that they really need because a lot of these kids, they needed to be watching two years ago, make those relationships with early. Um, So the fact that they were able to, sort of make the um, commitment that they made to, to recruiting in Virginia and to, to sign a handful of kids from Virginia. Um, I, I think that is a, a great sign beyond that too. Like 
to your point about the defense, I can completely agree. Like, it's not so much that um, I, I thought UVA was devoid of talent on the defensive side, especially in the defensive backfield. I just thought that, like, what we had seen had just not worked, right? It's for these guys to come in and do what they did in such a short amount of time, the idea of letting those same guys pick out the kids they want to coach, right, and then bring in those specific guys, I think you you have every reason, you have every right to be excited about that. Um, you know, I know that, you know, with some of these things, sometimes people can be a little bit apprehensive about letting themselves sort of believe hype and that kind of stuff. I, I think those kids, it makes a lot of sense, and, and it certainly fits, and I'm, the, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, defensively, um, I think you can make the argument. Now you've got a lot of young talent, you know, young guys there, but I can't think of a class, you know, with Cam Butler coming back, um, Famui coming back, Smiley Carter coming back. Um, I think Campers he wasn't mentioned yesterday, so I assume he's not. And then uh, Devonte Davis is re- giving up football, but you had those guys with um, with Sue and. Terrell Jones, who was there last year, um, and all these guys they have coming in. There's some real depth on the defensive line. Obviously, linebacker with with Nick in the portal, and um, you know that's going to not be as strong in the DBs are. But if they can figure out the DBs with a good transfer or two, that defense could be really good. Which, as we know, they're going to need next year with that schedule they're facing. Dave, I'm going to say something, and you're not allowed to tell Doug what I'm about to say. Uh, I'm not going to like, no, I'm not going to say like they're going to be better um, without Nick or anything. Cause I mean, that's a hell of a loss. And so I'm, I was, I was going to play it up beforehand, but I'm certainly not going to say that. But what I will say is I'm actually, because I saw along these same lines, I'm actually really excited about the development of that position. Um, given what we saw of the defense last year, right? Like um, I feel like if they could have stayed healthier at linebacker, they would have been a much better position. Um, you know, I think Jackson and Ahern both have a lot of potential, and so I'm, you know, I'm curious to see what comes of of that position um, going forward. Um, the yeah, loss of Nick could is, end up back here. Who knows? You know. No, I mean, look, I, for for folks out there, I I'm just going to say it like this. I I don't think that I told you a minute ago. You're more than, um, you know, whatever to get excited about. Don't get excited about Nick coming back. All right, just don't just don't do that to yourself. If he comes back, then just be pleasantly surprised. Don't set don't set yourself up for that fall. Um, real quick on the transfers before we move to basketball. Um, we made the mistake last year. Well, I can't really say we made the mistake because realistically it should have been true that UVA's best recruitment was Tony getting Brennan to come back. Um, so I don't want to jump that same shark and say something along those same lines with, with some of the guys that are going to come back. But I think it is safe to say, Dave, that you're, I mean, this is, I, I say Dave, because like, I don't know, I don't know if anybody was as focused on this as Dave was. Um, I mean, it was like, it was like something he talked about every day. It's like, man, we got to get Butler back. You know, like some of these dudes they got coming back are like season altering situations, right? Like they could legitimately make the team significantly better. But in terms of the transfers, they actually signed from other schools or actually bring it in from other schools. Let's start with you, Ferber. Who 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 stands out? I mean, obviously we we talked about Musket, but what's you know where do you have a specific Musket's guy in the group? Um, <laughs> you could you have a specific guy from that group that is really standing out to you? Yeah, I mean, I like him, and and Washington, I think, is a really just a productive player that like you don't have to really worry about, or I, you never know. But like, I it's one of those things where I'm not worried. Is like, does he fit? Like, is he going to be able to translate his production at where he was to here? Because like. 
I really think that, you know, he's going from power five league to power five league. He caught 61 balls in an offense that wasn't very good. If he can catch 50 balls here next year, that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> we'll take, you it. know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if he can get anywhere close to as productive as he was, then that's great. Yeah. And you know, he's just a good player like on film too. So yeah, that's a nice ad. And then I think pace is intriguing. Um, you know, Parker, it's I'm not as good at evaluating offensive linemen, especially nobody is playing playing against the leather level of competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pace, I think you know he's a solid player. I I, I kind of knew a little bit about him just from like watching all of Clemson's offensive stuff right. before yeah. this season, and yeah. you saw him a lot last year, kind of flashing here and there. So good player. I mean, I think at a minimum he's competing for carries. At a yeah. at, at best he's healthy and probably your starter. Yeah. Pace is probably the guy I'm most excited about, but I also am very high on Washington, too. What about you, Dave? Same boat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Washington's good. I mean, essentially, he's going to be taking Billy Kim's role. I mean, I'd love for Billy to come back, but, you know, obviously he struggled through injuries this year and has done plenty in the orange and blue uh, to earn the right to kind of take a shot with the NFL. Washington's good. I think I don't think he's plug-and-play for Billy because well, maybe he is, but um, – and then, you know – He's not quite pay. the same kind of player. Yeah, he's a little yeah, I mean he's a little less jitterbuggy than you know, he's kind of between Billy and Elamade and maybe even a little despite the size different, a little Chris Bird, um, in the way he catches the ball. For the but record, I will take was, any of those dudes back for the record. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah, he's yeah, like more I think he's more them. physical than some of those other guys. He might yeah, not so be I think as he's more technically like he's like good bird physical, as like yeah. a Billy was. Yeah. I mean, like I think he's solid. I, I called him like a cross between Kemp and Zacchaeus, but yeah. Those guys are a little bit more shifty, but he's probably just as fast in the open field and can make plays after the catch. Yeah, and then pace. Um, yeah, I know we talked about it on our thread, but um, you know that's Cody Brown and and pace being added at the end of the year. They're both like five point eight recruits. Like if, we, if they'd have would have got them as recruits, it'd have been like the story. They'd have been the recruit of the year, um, right? And you put that that running back room. You know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Hollins if he's going to be able to play play anymore. Um, and, and Ronnie Walker's in the portal, but with Paris coming back and, um, you know, pace and Brown who <laughs> Cody Brown's a big dude, like that room's pretty good. Um, and, and the, yeah, offensive line, like Parker, he looks good on film. He, he's a big guy who can move his feet. Um, obviously he's going to have to learn the scheme and, and kind of get it, you know, get coached to play at this level. Um, but the most important thing is he is right now is he's a body on an offensive line that's losing a lot. Like we're almost back where they were last year <laughs> yeah. in December with the offensive line. Um, you know, they you know, Tony mentioned yesterday that Leach's Leach and Devine are kind of moving on. Um, and then you've got Logan Taylor in the portal and Flores in the portal. Um, that's a lot of a lot of playing time off the offensive think, line this year that's gone again. I think you could almost make a case that the offensive line situation is worse. Yeah, I think you could too. Um, because like you don't have ta- if Taylor doesn't come back, Leach is gone. Uh, who else? Is and Divine gone? played a lot. Divine is um, gone. And then um, you know you had Furnish and Justice, Justice like kind of split time at center. And and they both had and then Flores. And they yeah. both have work to do. You know at, at the center spot. And mm-hmm. I guess like the guy you're kind of excited about is like Mikhail Bowley. Um, you know like maybe he yeah and Josie's you know you got Josie and Josie back. and Josie and Josie um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, like if that's it, like you got, I mean, hopefully Parker can be his plug and play, and then you got to go out and get a few more. Yeah, I mean, obviously the staff knows what they think of the young guys, um, but you you got a new offensive line coach coming in too, and he might not like 
some, you know, he might not feel the same that Tuesday felt about some guys, but you know, you've got Snoop out there and the other guys who redshirted. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially they're right back where they were last year. Um, they've got to build the line back with, with a new coach, um, who you have to assume hasn't coached with Elliot or in this scheme. Um, now that could right. be, you know, if the, if you promotion within that could be different, but yeah, it's going to be, you were talking about earlier, Brad, like how they kind of late getting on these guys because they got in here in December. Well, you also had to add last, last December, they couldn't even focus on 2023. They had to go find yeah, that's pieces true. for 2022 and they're almost yeah, in the point. same boat again. Yeah. I um, kind of think too, it's like, you know, I, I can't guarantee you that they're going to go out and get a bunch of great transfers that are going to be awesome next year. I don't know, but at the same time, like, you know, there's a bunch of guys in the portal leaving, whatever. I don't necessarily think that like if they rolled this whole group back for next year, we should be super excited either. That's you true. know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's not like, a... it's not like, Oh man, they were really clicking. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or they oh, yeah. showed and, you like a lot of growth toward the end right, of the season. Yeah. It wasn't like I was feeling good about it after the pick the last game. Right. Yeah. I mean, agreed. You know? Yeah. And so. I think, you know, if you're not a recruiting nerd or football nerd, like the three of us, um, you know, this year and next year, there's no cap on how many kids you can sign. So, you know, Virginia had an, you know, if, if you're in a position like Virginia was last year, um, there were guys available because uh, there were, you know, a lot of schools were at their 25 limit and, you know, you can gray shirt a few here and there, but this year, like if these schools run guys off or whatever, they could sign 50 guys if they wanted to. Um, so the transfer portal is definitely going to, you know, it's already proven to be more, a lot more people in there. Um, you know, even yeah. when they, when they just did away with the, uh, having to sit out a year um it really you know a lot of schools that weren't interested in the portal became interested but yeah a lot of the offensive linemen virginia's been on have recruited have been you know that cornelius guy they got in on him early they were like his first or second offer out of rhode island and he ended up signing with oregon after getting like 40 something power five offers um the uh they were on a kid from lsu he never announced his offer but he ended up you know a lot of the staff is following. He committed to Maryland today, so yeah, they, I think they probably get to get two. They need two or three guys, um, and hopefully, you know, at least two of those guys have some FBS experience. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's transition over to hoops. Obviously, Virginia coming off of two tough uh, losses, sixty nine sixty one to Houston last weekend. Um, <clears throat> the Walker kid goes for seventeen and seven. Um, Houston looked like the real deal. Real deal. Virginia really struggled. Um, I mean, I thought they came out of the, the the locker room great, punched them right in the mouth, and then Houston steadied itself and punched back. And Virginia just never really could get grips um, on things. Could never really kind of stay in the fight. Cavaliers two, excuse me, twenty seven point three percent from three, six of twenty two, which would kind of be a little bit of a story going into Tuesday night's game in Miami. Sixty four, sixty, sixty six, sixty four loss in Coral Gables, obviously a, a tough game, um, for guards, um, in general, um, Kihei was two of 10 from the floor. Um, Armand Franklin was zero of seven, did not score. Um, and then, uh, Isaac McNeely was one of nine. Um, his one three pointer, one of six that the Cavaliers made 26.1%, six of 23. Um, I'm not going to say that we, you know, I'm not going to do the whole, like, should we be concerned? If if this was a radio show, that would 100% be what the topic here would be. But I do want to talk a little bit about sort of like 
what we think this team is because a lot of a, a lot of the text from the between the, the group here have been somewhat similar the last few games and it feels like since they got back from Ann Arbor they just haven't been the same team and even that game right even in that game Virginia wins it by two right they they played really nice defense in in spots they obviously had to really clamp things down on the Wolverines in that second half in order to really stay in that game because they went into the locker room down 11. Um, but even in that game, you know, they only took eight threes, right? They were more than happy to score inside. But right now, teams just aren't allowing them to to, to get those sort of paint uh, opportunities, um, at least not to the same clip. Uh, for, for context here, Virginia scored 44 points in the paint against Michigan. All right. Against Houston, Houston, that number was um, 26. Uh, against Miami, that number was 28. So, yeah, that's a pretty substantial difference. The reality, too, is that, like, if you're not going to hit threes, some of these guys are going to struggle to stay on the floor. And that probably should be the case. We've seen more of McNeely lately. Um, I was a very um, – I mean, I know Ryan Dunn did not have the greatest game uh, in Coral Gables, but I just would like to have seen him play more than 16 minutes, regardless of whether or not he just went 0 for 2. Um, I just thought that his what he brings to the table is just different. And if um, you know other guys aren't producing, I mean, hell, if Vanderplas doesn't go get really hot from three in that little stretch, I don't know what that game looks like. Um, and the fact that they were even in at the end is kind of crazy. Uh, Dave, overall, do you feel like we're at a point where minutes that some guys are getting should be doled out to other guys? And I, you, you can go as far as you want to go in terms of saying – what you think? Um, but I'll just set it up that way. Do you feel like do you feel like we should take a, a much harder look at terms of the, the the rotations and who's getting the bulk of the minutes? No, I don't. Um, I mean, I could see like at you know, it's one thing when you get into a game and a guy's missed five shots. Maybe you make maybe you uh, you pull that pull that plug. Um, but if you'd have done that, BVP would have been on the bench um, after going one for five from three to start the game at Miami. Um, I just think, you know, like, look, they played Houston. Houston's really good. And they went to Miami and they struggled. Um, but Miami's a good team. And, you know, still ended up making that a game at the end, um, even though they, you know, lost both. and You know, lost both. So, look, I think you you roll your same starting lineup. Um, you've got experience. That's always proven to be important to the Virginia, you know, for Virginia's success. I just think you've got, you know, especially with Franklin, as much as I, you know, like the guy personally and all that stuff. Um, I haven't seen many games where Franklin starts out cold and turns it back on. Yeah, that's um, fair. And maybe, you know, we also haven't seen many, you know, any games that I can think of where Franklin came off the bench. So maybe, you know, a slight change for him, but, you know, I think you, you run with the guys that, that had the most experience. If there's, if they're struggling, I think maybe Tony's got to be a little quicker to go to the bench. And I think we did see that a little bit in Miami with Franklin and McNeely coming in. Um, the question for me, like, you know, we focus so much on the three point shooting. Um, to me, like Shedrick is such a big, I don't know what's happened to Shedrick. I know he's been hitting the head like a thousand times this year, but, um, and maybe that's affecting his aggressiveness, but you know, if he's not what he's capable of, it really hurts. Um, and when you couple that with, to me, the the biggest story is, is Reese being injured. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about it on the way home tonight, like how to be, you know, preparing for the podcast like a professional I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like, you know, Reese not 100%. He hasn't been, you know, the last few games, even JMU, um, since that hamstring injury. 
And basically, you know, with that kind of injury, if he doesn't rest for four or five weeks, it's not going to heal. He's just going to, he's going to play with what he is. It's either shut it down or play with it. Um, he kind of reminds me of the, the UMBC slash championship team. Um, DeAndre Hunter's role on that team. You know, he elevates everyone around him when he's at his, at a hundred percent. And without him, like, I think, you know, he covers up a lot of warts. Um, especially when you look at, you know, Kihei's limitations with his size when he's playing defense. Um, you know, you know, Reese, even though he's a, you know, he's not DeAndre's size, he's so good defensively. He, if you make a mistake, he usually can fix it, whether you're one through four. Um, and when he's not 100%, he's struggling to do that. And then, obviously, offensively, we saw at the beginning of the year, like when he turns on that attack mode, all of a sudden the threes become open threes and, you know, the, the floor open. So there's a lot. I think there's a lot of little things. I don't Yeah. I think you just kind of figure it out as you go. Now, see, I was thinking the same thing you just said, but not about Reese, but about Shedrick. Um, I think this team is dramatically different when he's in beast mode. And what I think the biggest challenge the, the staff has, um, aside from just figuring out the whole, like, do guys who aren't necessarily producing, continue, you know, is it a veteran sort of thing, which I'll come back to in a second, um, or should it be a veteran thing? But I, I feel like Shedrick's inability to sort of get to that same place and and it, like one to, to elevate himself there and then to stay there is the thing that is holding this team back. I think they are at their most dominant, even with Reese limited. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, obviously you want both, but I think that Shedrick's ability to cover ground, to protect the rim, to rebound. Um, I, I think that is so crucial for this group. Um, now your point about Reese kind of creating off the bounce and, and opening things up for the offense. I completely agree with that. I mean, there's no way around it. But I, I still think that for this team, defense still matters more than anything, even though I think this group likes to go a little faster than some past Virginia teams um, have. And certainly Reese's defense, even when he's limited, is still pretty good. I mean, he, he's maybe not like he – may, he, maybe he's not going to get his upper, um, you know, his upper register, so to speak, right, um, because of the injury. But Shedrick being where he is right now is just not where it, I mean it's just not where this team needs him to be. Now the veteran thing I just mentioned, you know, Tony did a little bit of this with the with the um, Ty and, and and Kyle class, right? Where they were younger guys, had a little bit of hype coming in, they played a little bit early, kind of waned for a while, and then he kind of came to a realization that they're just going to have to play, and I'm just going to have to live with the mistakes. Now you could make an argument that that was an investment that paid off for them, you know, very soon the next two seasons. Right. But that season in and of itself, they, they actually looked better as that season went on in part, I think because of those guys getting minutes. Now McNeely plays, um, and to, you know, David mentioned this earlier, but you know, he, you know, Houston was pretty good. And then Miami's pretty good. Well, they looked the same against JMU and not to no, no, no shade at, at the, at the Dukes here, bright and lights. And but, a three um, and 10 Florida state team. Exactly. Good point, right? Like the, the three, the three situation. They're five of twenty-one. They're just shooting in the low twenties, um, twenty mid to low twenties uh, every game from three. Um, but but my my other point here is that like McNeely comes in and he gets what twenty-six minutes in that game uh, against James Madison because of uh, Reese only playing four. McNeely comes in against Houston and plays twenty-five. Um, I thought there were times where he was. I mean, he was the spark. I mean, he was three of uh, six from the floor, two of five from three. Um, 
you know, he, I think he's got a, he's, he gets reps and you just feel like every one of them, he gets a little more confidence. He's confident to shoot the ball. It doesn't matter. That dude will shoot. And I like that about him because there's too many, there are too many dudes on basically every Virginia roster, including this one. It's like, let me pass it one more time. How about you don't? How about you just take the shot you got as opposed to trying to work two more passes that are, you know, too intricate and will probably get, um, you know, deflected or whatever, trying to get the best shot in the history of humanity. Um, but I do think that McNeely getting more minutes is a plus. And I also would love to see Dunn get some more minutes. And if that means that Franklin doesn't get as many minutes, whether he comes off the bench or whatever. And listen, I'm, I understand that there's a lot of dynamics at play, but I think you can find a way to get BVP in there more. Um, in this game against Miami, he played 27. Well, what if he had played like 32, right? Um, could that have been the difference? A couple more threes here or there. I just think he's got to be also, you know, fairly, um, he's got to be fairly aggressive when he gets his shot. I don't mind him and McNeely taking shots and missing. And, and I kind of feel like maybe Tony's in that same place where it's just like, Hey man, shoot the ball. Um, but I think that this is a team that feels like Ferber. It's on the verge. Either they're going to figure this out and get back to where they were, or they're going to continue to slide and become last year's team. And that's sort of, I think the, the precarious position they find themselves as uh, the new year approaches. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think if I had to bet on one of those, I think they'll figure it out. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were against Baylor and Illinois a lot. I mean, I think the more basketball we've seen from them and I'm not trying to send out the panic, you know, alarms yet, but I think they're more like what we've seen over the last few weeks than they were, you know, what we saw in those games, just because like those games are a smaller sample size of, you know, what we've seen. Um, I think right now, like, you know, we talked about it after the Vegas trip probably, and, you know, it was kind of highlighted as a, as a good thing, you know, different guys on different nights. We're also seeing the downside of that, which is that different guys on different nights have been bad or like just not productive. And the whole team, it feels like, I mean, like literally the entire team is inconsistent like to this point. And, and that doesn't mean they're not going to get better and figure it out and just be a little better. You know, if they were a little better against Miami, maybe they win. Um, but yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you talked about BVP getting 32 minutes. We were also had a conversation in the Houston game about like, why is he even in this game? So, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, because he wasn't making any shots. Yep. And um, then all of a sudden he was, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's a player that's really streaky as a shooter. Kihei will have games where I think Kihei impacts every game, but like Kihei will have games where he can like give you 13, 15, 17 points. And then he has games where you don't really hear from him at all. And then, you know, Reese, I think is, is probably the most consistent player on the team, but he's not healthy right now. Um, Gardner was pretty consistent last year, but this year his role is different and he's been a little bit more up and down guard or Franklin, you know, I don't even need to mention, like, you know, he's he's really good when he's at his best. And then other times he just just struggles to make shots. Um, Shedrick, same, you know, uh, the McNeely, you know, flashes. He's a young player. I think he'll figure it out. But, you know, flashes done flashes. And then he'll like make a mistake on the defensive end. Um, things like that. I just I feel like they just need to find a way to be more consistent. And I'm not sure the answer to that is to keep tweaking lineups because I, I think that might make it worse. Um, I think you need to figure out who your guys are and kind of ride with them and then have other guys in roles, you know, like they're, they're playing roles. Um, 
And ultimately, I mean, I think that they're going to be okay. I think they can shoot better than they have. Um, but they're sort of like, and again, I think Dave's point's very accurate. Like, you know, Houston and Miami aren't bad. Like those, especially Houston, they're very good. Um, so, I mean, like all, no harm done, you know, it's not like they went out and lost to Florida state, but they almost did, you know? So like, um, yeah, there's certainly some like warning signs that were there before these two losses that this could happen. Um, especially with Reese's injury. So, I mean, I think that, you know, how they do, you know, what's their next few games. They have like Albany and then they have like Georgia tech, I think. And then they kind of yeah. get into ACC. They have Syracuse coming up in North Carolina in, in January. They're They're, those are the, team. yeah, those are the games where you're going to find out like where this team is against, you know, not necessarily comparable teams, but teams that maybe they're a notch better than, um, that they need to beat most of, you know what I mean? So yeah, we'll see, you know, hopefully they'll figure out that consistency that they're looking for, but, it was a problem last year with especially on the offensive end. And I think you're right, Brad. I think the the answer for this team in the long run is improvement on the defensive end. And yeah. it's like if they can if they can shoot well in games, then those are the games where you win by 20. Yep. And if you can't shoot, then you can still win 57, 54. Yep. And the first step in that is to, you know, get away from this Jekyll and Hyde stuff. It's like I I tweeted out the other night. Like there is some real Jekyll and Hyde in this team, right? You're not sure what you're gonna get night to night. Who you're going to get it from? It's true on the why, defense and how much. too. I know. Oh, yeah, I was talking about sure. shooting, but like they miss closeouts. They don't have rim yeah. protection when no, Cedric isn't playing. Yeah. And and listen, I'm not. I do. I want to open up this um, hornet's nest here. Let's just say that like, um, you know, one of the reasons why sometimes guys end up getting redshirted is because there are veteran dudes who have burned a lot of uh, minutes who are ahead of them. I, I'm not saying that that Leon Bond or Isaac Trout would be better um, than what the veterans are ahead of them, right? And I also think that when you have so many different new pieces, that it really does it's hard to to incorporate that many new faces when they don't have you know it's one thing if there's a transfer guy like BVP and then you've also got some young dudes, right? Um, but it, it it I'm just watching this team kind of struggle to rebound sometimes, right? And I'm like, you know. I kind of feel like Leon Bond could could rebound pretty well. Like I, I think that's one of the things that he does well. Right, he's got a good uh, nose for the ball. Would that change things dramatically for them? Probably not, because um, he probably wouldn't get as many minutes as it would be required for him to really get some burn. Yeah, he'd um, be getting two rebounds a game, <laughs> right? <laughs> like playing like four six minutes. minutes, right? But my 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 bottom line is the same, which is like they need to do something different because right now the way they're trending is not the direction that they want to. And there's obviously a lot of skills there. There's obviously a lot of potential. Um, I think the 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 night and day difference in Armand Franklin from the, the beginning of the season to this has been. Um, kind of startling, honestly. And when, because you know, you guys made the point, like when he's when he's on, like man, they're a different team. When Reese is defending at such a high level and he's 100, percent they're a different team. When Shedrick is in that beast mode, they're a different team. Right now, they're not getting any of that. And you know, Reese's injury is. I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him, obviously, but it is sort of a circumstance of the season. And this team is just not anywhere close to where they were earlier in the year when they were a clear kind of top five, top ten team. Now they're kind of on that top 15 fringe. Um, and it's a great problem to have to, you know, to think that something is up for your team that is drifting possibly out of the top 15. When in truth, I mean, you know, we just, I, I think for those of us who watched last year, you know, we just don't want to, you know, that's not what you, that's not the, the, the sort of blueprint you want to follow. And 
some of these games, some of these droughts, some of these, you know, head scratching moments, it, it feels a lot like that. Um, last thing before we wrap up tonight, obviously, um, you know, Virginia has a, um, <laughs> I mean the, the schedule, you know, there's a lot of space here for, um, you know, for the holiday and stuff after they come from the exam break. And I mean, maybe the exam break is actually one of those things that we should have talked more about. Um, you know, because realistically, I was going to, but I went back and looked and they've really never struggled around exam break. They just yeah. kicked everyone's butt. Well, I mean, it could, and I mean, that, and that's fair. I, I think but they don't that, normally play an ACC game around that either. So. True. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, have to, true. you have to, the, if you want to put a positive spin on this, like Tony Bennett teams, with the exception of the championship team and the one that lost to UMBC, always seem to have this kind of weird swoon. Yeah, it's usually like, early January. Usually it's during the ACC season where it's like, yeah. oh, they lost three out of four, and they're like scoring like, you know, they were scoring 75, and then randomly they just dropped to 50. And yeah. It's like, I don't know what causes that, but like you just have to hope maybe that's this right now, you know, and then like in yeah. two weeks we'll be like, oh, they figured it out. They're, they're fine. <laughs> now I was going to say like, I mean, you've got to – I'm not making excuses for the team. Obviously they had the Italy trip to kind of play together and stuff, but um, you know, they've only played 10 games and only three of them were kind of by games, if you will, you know, Monmouth, um, North Carolina central. And I'm forgetting one um, Maryland Eastern shore, maybe, yeah. but they, uh, you know, they've had Illinois Baylor at Michigan, um, you know, Florida state's a conference game early in the season, no matter how bad they are. JMU's top, 80 and Ken Palm, I believe. So, you know, seven of their 10 not anymore. They lost to Coppin State yesterday. <laughs> They're 82. They only dropped down one. Oh, really? Yeah, I dropped down to 82. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and obviously JMU is motivated to be Virginia a little more than some other teams might be. But yeah, it, it's it has been a tough schedule. Um, and you know, obviously injured, and you know, the Northern Iowa game got taken away from them. So, I just say it's a work in progress. And I think you nailed it, Brad. Like to me, like that's what I'm. I wouldn't be shocked that by the end of the year, if McNeely's taking much of a lot of Franklin's minutes and maybe Dunn is starting to take some of, uh, I don't know whose minutes he's going to take, <laughs> you know, Gardner's maybe, or um, maybe they go big lineup more often, but it does kind of feel like that, you know, if things don't go back to where they were, then you, you've got to start building, you know, getting minutes. So next year's team isn't a step backwards. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, I don't think you're going to see Tony ever really look toward next year, you know, per se. But I think that when it becomes evident that sort of guys are who they are and then these other guys who who are not anywhere close to a finished product. Right. That's a little bit different. And you can kind of see what their potential is once you invest those minutes in them. They get Albany next Wednesday night. They'll be uh, at Georgia Tech on New Year's Eve and they'll be at Pittsburgh on the Tuesday uh, thereafter. So. They get Albany at home, and then you get two. Um, I don't want to call those two tough road tests, but road tests in the ACC nonetheless. Um, Going to be bringing your own energy for a couple of games for sure. Um, I, is it just me, or they always seem to get Georgia Tech right around New Year's? What is that about? Is there like some agreement somewhere that says that the, that should happen? Anyway, um, and then that's obviously before they come home next the following Saturday. Um, and they get Syracuse. So, uh, look, we're going to find out pretty soon um, which way this thing is going to go. But nonetheless, um, we will wait and see. 
Um, I think that that's a good place to put a pin in it. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we would appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check out CavsCorner.com. Ferber's got a, a takeaway piece uh, on the board um, about early signing day. We got stuff on Robinson and Harrison um, when they chose UVA. Um, Houston cranked out an update on um, the Langdon kid, 2025, from Raleigh, who was uh, on a visit recently. Um, so lots of good stuff up there, stuff to come. Obviously, we'll take a little bit of a break here with the Christmas holiday coming up. I want to thank uh, My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being gracious labor time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.